0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now 17 on the shot clock remaining. They're running some stuff. The kick out and the jump shot. Lakes got it. Holy cow. Trevor Lakes with four threes on four attempts. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: And thank you. Welcome to a Sports Highly Wednesday night. What a day, huh? A wild day. And if it's all right with all of you, I want to talk sports tonight. I, it's just been crazy. Ben, we can go a different direction if you'd like to. But I'd really would rather get my mind off of what all took place in our country today and talk some college basketball, some NFL, some MLB. And we've got it all planned out for you tonight. Jeremiah Searle is going to be by here in just a couple of minutes. We'll get his take on some of the news that relates to Husker football in the last couple of weeks. Also really interested in his take on what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the season finale on Sunday. He played in the league. Obviously, he's been a part of teams that were either in or out of a playoff scenario. I just want to get his thoughts on that. So looking forward to having Jeremiah drop by with us here in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, John Baylor is going to be here. We've not heard from JB for quite a while. There now is a schedule out for Husker volleyball. Uh, So we'll get a chance to uh, hear his thoughts about this upcoming season for the Cornhuskers and what he thinks about these back-to-back matches Friday, Saturday. In most cases, there'll be a Friday, Sunday and one, a Saturday, Sunday one, but back-to-back matchups against the same opponent. That's certainly going to be different for him. The entire Oscar volleyball program, so we'll get his take on that. Lane Grindle, we haven't checked in with Lane for quite a while, but there's been a lot of hot stove action in Major League Baseball, and the Hall of Fame vote is taking place right now. The balloters are getting their ballots submitted. They're going to have an announcement at the end of the month on MLB about this year's Hall of Fame class. We'll get Lane's take on some of that, so looking forward to catching up with Lane Grindle, the former host of this show. That'll be in hour number two. Buy, sell, coming your way in hour number three. It's been a few weeks since we've Dipped our toe into buy-sell action. We'll see how that goes. And I believe that tonight wraps up a season of buy-sell. And this is the first time we've included everybody, Josh and Austin and Tim, into the fray for them. Brett into the fray for all of this. So looking forward to see how all of that turned out. And we're going to talk some Husker wrestling in the third hour of the program as well. Mark Manning will be here. The Huskers open the season Friday night at the Navani Center against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So looking forward to hearing from Coach. What kind of team does he have? What have they been doing? Usually the wrestling season starts in November. But because of COVID, that's been pushed back a couple of months. But it will get underway. Conference-only matches for the Big Red on the mat in the coming months. So we'll get his take on what's been happening with that program in the third hour of the show. And as always, phone lines are open and available for you at 531-500-4686. 531-500-4686. That can also double up as our U.S. cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. cellular connecting Husker Nation. It has it been, been one of those days where I'm glad we do a sports show because, man, it is so much to wrap your head around. I'm sure everybody has been watching images of what took place in our nation's capital today. You and I both have been there and toured a lot of those different sites. I think a lot of people have. Um but I'm glad that hopefully we can be a bit of a distraction for the folks here tonight. Yeah, man, and watching some of that stuff
2: today sure makes me as you said, I, I mean I don't know that I could handle getting in that line of work. I I just I mean it's, sometimes it's hard enough talking Husker football, but uh <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 insane and you know when we get to come on here and and talk about, you know, NBA matchups and buy sell and all that other stuff, you know, makes, makes it makes it a little easier to get through the day. Uh, well, it was probably a difficult day for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky to get – and, man, I'm thinking about back to all the crazy times we've had to come on here and do a sports talk show with things a lot bigger than sports happening around the world. And, um, you know, we, we've heard from a lot of people during those times that this show provides an uh, escape and a reality and, um, you know, just kind of some – some easing of the mind and and hopefully we can do that tonight as well
1: well and 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 events of like today that that hit or infected our country kind of puts it into perspective too that maybe we take some things a little bit too seriously maybe we take criticizing the starting quarterback a little bit too much or critiquing an offensive lineman for jumping off sides a little bit too much so maybe, maybe it can add a little bit of perspective into it today as well but I'm with you. I'm sure glad we host a show like this, not some other types of shows that we have to, to dive into those kind of topics. Speaking of Oscar football, there was some news as it relates to that today, and that's another name going into the transfer portal. That's Matthew Anderson, the offensive lineman, the redshirt freshman offensive lineman from Louisiana. Really didn't hear his name come up much when you heard from Scott Frost or Greg Austin, the offensive line coach, about some of the young linemen that were making an impact. And we talked last night even about – uh, the different offensive linemen that are fre- true freshmen or redshirt freshmen or sophomore that were starting or are getting snaps to the Big Red this fall. His name didn't come up. So I don't know that I'm shocked by this news that Anderson has put himself into the portal. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I do think – and the other thing, too, you think about
2: how, um, you know, how many different – parts there are to an offensive line that have already kind of solidified themselves that are, that are young players and and there are probably going to be some 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 guys that you know through through the coach's words or their own realization that this might be a tough play for them to play regularly uh with, without a significant jump in uh in progression so the yeah i mean i think this is going to happen especially with the youth nebraska has up front on the offensive line and the other guys that they have just signed and brought in um you know not not everybody's going to be able to get the chance to play uh as quick as they want to and you know i said yesterday on the show when we were wrapping up about how sometimes a transfer portal may be better off for both parties i think this is this might be a good example of that um of, of um nebraska maybe needing or or wanting that scholarship of somebody that you know wants to look for opportunities to play elsewhere i think it it benefits both parties and so we wish the best and you know hopefully he can you know get the most out of his college experience someplace else and and get a chance to to get on the field but yeah i don't know that uh that was a name that you know if if i were to write names that i i thought would would leave that's probably not one i come up with but i don't know that In the the long run, this is going to make that big of a difference uh, with the depth uh, up front.
1: You know, I I know people transferring in the transfer portal, it drives a lot of people crazy. And there's a lot of mindsets out there about, well, if you start something, you need to stick with it and finish it through. And I get that. And I appreciate that point of view. That's fine. But in in Matthew's case, he didn't just come and spend a few months here and, and go. This was his second season within the program, so it wasn't like he turned and ran right away. I think he made a move that he probably – Maybe doesn't think he's gonna play a lot here. Maybe sees some really good young guys in the in the lineup, and then some, as you mentioned, some young guys about to come into the program that look like they're gonna be really good offensive linemen. And he, you know, maybe wants to get a better chance to play somewhere. So I totally get that. I mean, I, I see both sides of it. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anybody's opinion. That man, you should stick with it because there is something to be said about that in in a lot of things in life. That if you make a commitment to a school, you stick with it, and you hang with it, you work hard, and you try to work your way up the chart. But, it, but in this case too, I also know that the clock ticks pretty quick for a college student, and you don't get that much time if you want to play. And maybe there's better opportunities for him somewhere else. So I, and I'll, I wish him well. Again, I don't think he, I don't think he shortchanged it. He, he was here for two full, two, two full cycles of it to kind of see where he fit into the mix
2: yeah i mean through two years you you can you can probably see the writing on the wall right i mean i think you can probably understand where you're at who's coming in um and and all that other stuff that you know goes into your place in a program so i'm with you i mean two years that's that's a significant amount of time you know if, uh, if you play four or five years that's you know half or a little less than half your career and, you know, you, there's not that many snaps left to be had after two seasons of, of your career. So go for it. Go go try and make the better of your situation. And, you know, maybe Nebraska can, can use that scholarship to go fill a need someplace else. And that and that young man can go maybe, A, be closer to home, but, B, find some place that he can play that, you know, will give him the best opportunity to, to get on the field. So um, we, we already talked about how um, – you know, saturated the transfer portal is, but I do think that there are situations like this where it's fine. It's not, it's not the end of the world. And, um, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he can, he can go find a place that he's happy and comfortable. And, you know, this isn't, he doesn't worsen his situation, I suppose, because that, that there are a lot of kids in that portal right now. They're going to end up in a lot
1: worse situations that they were in before they left. Absolutely. All right. uh, Nothing from Nebraska today about the status of the men's basketball team. They, along with Purdue, decided to postpone last night's game. Nebraska not slated to play again until Sunday. So we have no update uh, from there was no release, no press conference, no press gathering today. So we really don't have an update on that. I did ask you last night, Ben, about what you make of Michigan State because that was the last team that the Huskers played, and they came in here. They had not won – A league game yet. They got the win over Nebraska. And then last night, they hosted Rutgers, who's having a very good season, and they lowered the boom on the Scarlet Knights last night. I mean, it was a decisive victory for Tom Izzo's team, so they look like they might be getting right. Tonight, a really good matchup with Minnesota at Michigan. Uh, Minnesota has been a surprise to me. I, I didn't know because Otura graduated and moved on to the NBA. They lost a couple of other guys who were good players for them a year ago. Marcus Carr we knew was really good. But here they are. They're ranked. He's got them playing really good basketball. Big challenge tonight to go play undefeated Michigan here in a couple of hours. That'll be worth watching tonight. but. I think it just kind of shows you that there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys throughout the year. We know the Huskers are in a valley. We hope they certainly can dig out and have a couple of peak moments as we get into the conference play. But Minnesota, to me, Ben, maybe you were maybe you were expecting more out of them, but I sure wasn't. I'm surprised that they were they are right now.
2: Yeah, th- this league every year makes it really difficult to predict where where teams are because of what you said—the ebbs and the flows—and you know. the – Every team is going to have a point in the season where they feel like they're really good, maybe a sweet 16 caliber team, at least an NCAA tournament team, and then you're, you're, there's also going to be stretches where you feel like you can't do anything right. Unfortunately right now, Nebraska's in one of those those bottom portions and they've you know dating back to last season, it's been a long time since Nebraska' has been in this hole and you hope that they can crawl out of it soon. but I mean we say it every single season. You, you can flip on a, a big 10 game. You know, a triple header and have the underdog win three times and it just be par for the course. It's just the way that this league works. Uh, pred- predicting any night's winners uh, any particular night is rather difficult. If you think that's just cliche, maybe do it for a week. Pick, pick all the outcomes that you think is going to happen starting on Monday and see what your record is by the end of it. Uh, because because it's difficult. It's really a tough league to, to nail down and try and figure out because of the quality of play every single time. And if and if you're off just
1: a little bit, you're going to uh, you know, you're going to get thumped. No doubt, it's it's going to be a wild ride. There are so many quality teams in this league, and each night you should see a fairly competitive basketball game. And again, tonight the matchup. In the league that's got some attention is Minnesota at Michigan tipping off here in a little bit on a BTN. We'll keep track of that, Josh. We'll keep, keep us updated with the tickers. All right, those are some of the topics for us tonight. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of it. 531 500 with a call or a text. When we come back, Jeremiah Searles will stop by. We'll talk some Husker football, and I cannot wait to get his thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they pulled in the Sunday night game that I irritated so many people around the National Football League. That and maybe even a thought or two from the playoffs that keep going here this week with the first weekend in the NFL. All that straight ahead here on Sports Nightly. We're back on a Wednesday night sports highly here on the Husker Sports Network and delighted to be joined now by former Husker and current member of the Husker Sports Network staff, Jeremiah Searles. We're always talking with each other in the six o'clock hour, right? But this one has a p.m. behind, not an a.m
3: absolutely it's good to be back with you guys I feel like I haven't talked to my friends in so long and the Sun is still down so we do have a streak of only talking yeah. when the Sun is down
1: there you go that makes it work although that Rutgers game we got a little bit of a break with that we afternoon, did noon that, that was a Friday kick yeah that was a Friday to get the weekend going how are the holidays the new year was it quiet uneventful what was it like having a little one in the house
3: yeah, so Christmas was nice. We didn't do anything. We just stayed here at home. Um, just kinda hung out around the house, opened up presents in the morning. Wife made some absolutely fantastic food, homemade biscuits and gravy, made some duck fried rice and we went Asian, we went steam buns, homemade steam buns. So it was awesome just hanging out and then New Year's Eve actually former soccer player Kylie Gresher got married in Kansas City on like a very small get together. So we went down there for New Year's Eve and came back and now we're just hanging out here and Got some hunting in this last week. Duck season closed, which is a sad day for me, but got some good hunts in this last week or so and just been hanging out.
1: Oh, good for you. Well, there's a lot that has happened with Husker football since that Rutgers game that wrapped up the season and a lot of positive things, right? I mean, let's start with JoJo Doman. Were you surprised that JoJo
3: decided to come back and play one more year? Very surprised. I think that that's a guy that I thought for sure was going to hit the button to move on in his career and go to the NFL and start down that road. And um, I'm glad he didn't as a Husker guy, but as an NFL guy, it kind of baffles me a little bit because you're risking a whole lot. And I don't necessarily know, is JoJo going to take like such a big jump next year that he can go from a late-rounder to a mid-rounder, mid-rounder to a high-rounder, whatever his agent is telling him. But I am very happy as a Husker fan to have him back. I mean, the playmaking ability that he has and just the fire that he brings on that defense is you can't match it with someone or you don't know who could match that next year. But you know having a guy like that coming back is big time.
1: The other thing that I'm sure set off a bit of a celebration in the North Stadium and the coach's office was hearing that Cam tater Brett was not going to jump to the NFL but come back and play one more year of college football. Man, Jeremiah, he, he, he made so much improvement, I thought, this year defensively. I, I think he could be one of the best corners in
3: the in the country next year. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think came back because his agent was like, look, you got a mid-round grain or whoever his agent he's talking to. Again, these guys aren't allowed to sign, but they can talk to agents and they can say, hey, here's what your grade is from the NFL. But I think that he's a guy that probably had a mid-round grade but his agent's like if you come back and build off of what you did just the last four games of this year and put a whole regular season like that you could be a top three rounder and I think he does have that kind of talent corner he's played safety he's great off the, uh, the edge and um, blitzing and he's very very good at tackling I think one thing that you look at the NFL if you play corner in the NFL you have to be able to set the edge and you have to be able to tackle and I think that he does that very well he needs to clean up the targeting penalties a little bit this year. As bad, good, or ugly as what they are, he's got to find a way to not get off the field, right? I don't agree with that at all, but he has to make sure he stays on the football field this year, whether that tweaks how he plays his game or not.
1: Busy again with Jeremiah Searles here on Sports On on the Husker Sports Network, talking a little Husker football here in the offseason. The, the, you know, no surprise that, that Hymus opted out. Maybe surprised that he opted out of the last game, but that he's going pro. We've not heard from Matt Farniak yet. Um, I, I think most people feel like he's definitely going to go. He's going to not come back, but nothing official yet for him. Do you, you got a gut feeling on Matt?
3: I would think Matt would go I think Matt's had such a big body of work uh, he's very much like Hymas he's played from a young guy all the way through the old guy the only reason I could see him staying is is because he did make that position change from tackle to guard this year and maybe want one more season in college to kind of really get that feel for guard before moving into the NFL where I think he'll get he would have got moved to guard regardless if you play tackle for Nebraska or not when he gets to the NFL. So I don't know, maybe that might be a factor that brings him in, but he is kind of one of those guys, too, that he is who he is. He's a big, strong mauler. I don't necessarily know if him coming back would change the perception of what the NFL has for him already, and if that's the case, it makes more sense to go now than to come back one more year and just have the NFL go, yep, that's who we thought he was.
1: You know, a couple guys along that offensive line have entered the the transfer portal. Bo Wilson did it. He's going to take advantage of a sixth year that the NCAA is allowing him. And then today we heard about redshirt freshman Matthew Anderson from Louisiana. You know, I talked to the coaches quite a bit. I I didn't really hear them mention Matthew a lot. Uh, There are some really good young linemen in that room. We saw a bunch of them on the field toward the end of the year. Uh, Your thoughts about Bo Wilson and, and then Matthew
3: Anderson's decision. I think the Bo Wilson decision makes a lot of sense to me. He obviously got beat out by a redshirt freshman this year, in Ethan Piper. Um, and he wants to go somewhere where he finishes a senior year playing. And I think there's plenty of places that could use a veteran guard, whether at the Big Ten or Pac-12 or wherever. I mean, he's played a lot of football here. I think that he fits some good schemes. And it just was maybe he wanted one fresh start to finish the um, that game, uh, that way there. Now, the retro freshman transfer, I have very mixed feelings on, Greg. I, I think I even texted you and I was like, I hate this, but I understand it. Because there's a part of it's like, you came into college here at 250 pounds. And you're a redshirt freshman, which means you've had one and a half years to really develop. And you're like, well, I'm not playing, so I'm going to leave. And again, I don't know this kid from Adam. I don't know if there's other factors going on. But the optics of it looks like, well, I didn't play as a young kid, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Man, if you're 250, it's going to take you two, three years just to put on another 50 pounds so that you can play at 300 pounds in the Big Ten. And if you look back, as the way it should be is you should not play your first two or three years, and it should be a lot more of development, getting bigger, faster, stronger, and then being able to go out on the field so that you're not just swimming to try and keep your head above water but you can dominate people so I struggle with the the young kids transferring unless there was some personnel reason or family reasons then I totally understand it but just the idea of like well it's my second year here I don't like what's going on I'm out I I have a hard time getting behind that and I don't necessarily know if it's because that it wasn't an option when I was in school or what it is but I still think that if you're a young guy man stick it out fight it out and find your way onto the field.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I totally get that. I, I wonder if Jeremiah—he's looking around and going, "Guys that came in with him are now playing like the Ben Harts and the Pipers," and he he knows what's coming. I mean, he knows we got some good linemen that we signed in December that are coming
3: here. Maybe he just felt like I don't fit. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to make it here. Maybe that factored into it. If that's the case, then I, I mean, nothing against him, not personal. Then yeah. I'm kind of glad he's gone. Right? Yeah. You you, you want to you want guys that want to compete, and you want guys that. I mean, hey, they signed a four-star behind me this year. Great. Can't wait to let him watch me play, right? That's the mentality you have to have. Like, awesome, let that four-star watch this three-star come out here and play. And that's the mentality I brought into college. And, and I mean, funny enough, and myself, Brent Qualley, both three-star guys coming out of North Dakota, Colorado. We had a couple other guys, five-star guys coming out of Texas, and we ended up both playing over them. Um, and so it's just one of those things that when you get here, no one cares what your star was. No one cares what you did in high school. You make a name for yourself inside those walls. You make a name for yourself during spring practice and fall camp and all of those things. And so if you're, if you're looking around going, oh, man, they're bringing guys in and I just, I don't know. Then it's like, okay, this, probably, this place probably isn't for you and it's probably time for you to move on. I have not talked to you since the Rutgers game. What did you make of Turner Corcoran's performance in his first start? I am excited about that kid. I think that he played physical, he played nasty, and I think Scott said it perfectly at the end of the game. He's like, well, I didn't hear anything about him during the game, so that probably means he had a pretty good game. Um, And I thought he did a really nice job with his hands. He got out in space and did some really good things on a couple screen blocks, a couple backside of zone blocks. And so I'm very excited, it seems like it's like, okay, cool, We have another left tackle for another four years, right? So I like that feeling. I like that we have young guys that are promising. you mean, like we even mentioned Ben Hart. We mentioned Piper. now you turn in Cochran, and you're just seeing like young players developing in real time. And then you look into what next year's possibility could be of, yeah, we could take our lumps with a couple of those young guys being first year, second year starters. But man, you start looking down the road two, three, four years from now, you're just going to look and say, man, I'm glad those guys got those experience because now they're out there kicking teeth in. That's when you win. That's when you start to yep. win, when that happens
1: Absolutely. for you. Visiting again with Jeremiah Searles of the Husker Sports Network, former Husker. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the the championship game coming up on Monday. What, how impressed were you with Ohio
3: State, and do you give them a shot against Bama on Monday? Oh, H. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm I I'm excited for Ohio State, mostly because I was so sick and tired of hearing the, oh, they only played six games, they shouldn't have been in there. It's like, well, they just went and waxed the number two team in the country, and it wasn't even close. Close, like Justin Fields. I mean, hats off to that dude for being as tough as nails. Because I'm pretty sure I'd have just laid there and died if I took a hit like that into my ribs. Like that looks so painful, and to watch him come back in battle, awesome. And I mean, they were missing a couple DNs and they still got after Trevor Lawrence. And so I look at this team. I go, man, that was Ohio State's probably the best game they've played all year. That's probably the best performance they put together. Then you watch Alabama, and you're like, this is mm. just—it's not even fair. You're talking about three Heisman finalists on one offense? Are you kidding? Two Outland Trophy finalists on one offensive line? Okay. Oh, yeah, that guy did win the Heisman, by the way, at receiver. And then you flip it on the other side and you're just like first round draft pick, second round draft pick, third round, first round. I mean, you just, it's a crazy talent gap between Alabama and the rest of the field. You can't even say, I mean, you look at they competed, Florida competed against them really well. And it's just kind of like, okay, did Alabama just have an off day? Like their defense wasn't what it was always. But man, I just don't know if any team in the country that isn't an NFL defense can stop the offense, Crimson Tide offense. I mean, Najee Harris can go the distance anytime. You can throw it to Smith on the outside. And Mac Jones is playing at an absolute elite level of not throwing the ball to the other team and just making unbelievable throws down the field. So I think Ohio State sticks with them a little bit, but I just don't see Ohio State being able to go score for score with Alabama like you almost have to to keep up for them like Florida did in the SEC Championship.
1: I I think they're better equipped to do that than Notre Dame was. And you and I had some fun (laughs) with Notre Dame. But physically, Notre Dame, I thought, belonged. They don't belong on the outside. They they battled okay on on the interior. But the Buckeyes can score, and Fields can make plays mm-hmm. if his ribs hold together. But So I think they can make it interesting, but I think you're right. I think there's a gap between Bama and anybody else this year in the country, like there was last year with LSU. Yep. They were clearly better than anybody else.
3: Yeah, and it begs the bring in the question of is the playoff system what it was created for, creating that talent gap, right? Right. I mean, yes, Alabama was winning everything beforehand, but you look at, like, the recruiting classes now, and it's been Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and, like... Notre Dame because they can be like we go to the playoff every year, right. right? It's like we just do, and so everyone wants to go there, and so it does. Think are we just creating a wider and wider gap for the field to try and chase these four teams? And yes, it is up to you as a player to to get to that level and get to where it goes. But I think that until you expand it, eight games, eight teams sixteen team, whatever, and you'd be like, we all made the playoffs, and then you start seeing some higher recruits go to different places. But it's really easy when you're Alabama, and like, hey, you want to come here, win three national championships, and go get drafted in the first round. Sign me up. Yeah, fair point. Speaking of playoffs, the NFL playoffs get going this weekend, and there was some
1: controversy with the last game of the regular season on Sunday night with Philadelphia (laughs) taking on uh, Washington and Philadelphia changing quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. Boy, that irritated the Giants and their fans because they they needed Philadelphia to try to win that game to get the Giants in. What would you make of that, and how big of a deal would that be in an NFL locker
3: room? so a couple things with that one the whiny baby new york jet fans right the fans need to relax right like oh you guys it's like win one more game win seven win seven and this isn't even a problem like this whole idea of like the eagles kept us out of the playoffs is like no no no. you kept yourselves out of the playoffs only winning six games first of all like don't don't get all in your feelings here but you look at the doug peterson and on the Eagles side of it And you just kind of, I mean, I've been in locker rooms, you play to win always. And that that means making tough decisions. That means making hard decisions that even if you said, Hey, Sudfield's going to play this week, play him in the first quarter, play him in the second quarter. Don't play him with 10 minutes left in the game down by one score, hoping to win. When Jalen hurts has been doing decent things for you. I just thought that was a poor decision and yes. You can say they tanked for a better draft pick. They went from nine to six because they lost that game. You can also say they wanted to see what they had, but any way you shape it, it looks bad. It just doesn't look good. And I thought that it was a poor decision by Doug Peterson. You mean, Jason Kelsey came out and supported him today. You can tell Carson Wentz wants out of there and you could just see the look on Jalen Hurts face during the game of how mad he was and how upset he was and it's like man are you fracturing your relationship like you did with Carson are you fracturing that relationship with your future starter and Jalen Hurts and it just doesn't make any sense and I didn't like the decision but that's why I don't get paid that's why I didn't win a Super Bowl as a head coach because you do get to go make those decisions but I guarantee you there were some very unhappy veterans in that locker room after that game There's an integrity factor that should have been
1: considered, I think, in that decision by Peterson. But uh, the games this weekend, you got six of them, three three in each conference. Are Are you excited about a couple of them?
3: yeah I'm really excited to watch the Bills and the Colts I think that's gonna be a really great one mostly because I think the Bills are the hottest team in football right now I mean what they did to a 10-win Miami team and the last regular season game putting 50 burger up on them with the starters not even playing in the second half was very impressive I'm really excited in the NFC to see kind of who emerges out of that field right there's this kind of you got Green Bay at the top, who's playing incredible. Then you got the Saints. You got Tampa Bay. I'm curious to see this this Tampa Bay Washington mm-hmm. football team game because I mean, if I'm Chase Young, I'm very careful about calling out the greatest quarterback in the playoffs of all generation in Tom Brady and saying I want Tom. I don't necessarily know it's a great idea because it's kind of one of those careful what you wish for because Tom could go out there and absolutely light you up and just be like told you but at the same time I think that Washington's defense might be a top five defense this next year I mean the talent level that they have on there they've been picking in the top five for the last 10 years so they have unbelievable guys up front but those two games the Washington football team versus the um, the Bucks and the Bills versus the Colts are two that I'm really excited to kind of see which of those two teams emerge because the Colts for me are a little scary for the Bills because they've got a ton of veterans that have been there done that versus a very young Bills team that's still kind of figuring their way through these playoffs
1: yeah should be good those Chase Young comments kind of reminded me what Dabo did well if you're Dabo yeah. why do you rank Ohio State 11th why do you do that why there's no re- you don't gain anything by doing that
3: Nope. Makes no sense. And I loved it. A lot of players were like, so does this make you 13th now or 12?" (laughs) 12th? Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, Good stuff. Hey, great to catch up. We'll do this occasionally and uh, get back and enjoy your family time. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Go Big Red. Right now, let's talk a little Husker Volleyball. None better to do that than the long time play by play voice of Husker Volleyball. John Banner. Hey, JB, how are you? Happy New Year. Oh,
4: happy 2021 to you. Imagine going through the entire fall undefeated and volleyball fans are unhappy.
2: <laughs>
4: but we never played any matches, that's why. <laughs> so finally we didn't get a chance to play. What a
1: strange deal. How, how excited were you to finally see a schedule when it came out last week?
4: Um, fairly excited. It, it took a lot longer than expected. I mean, we came out, what, two and a half weeks before the actual season begins And, uh, yeah, in this instance, uh, hopefully this uh, schedule will stick and we'll actually get a chance to see players across the net with different colored jerseys on.
1: You know, this is a team that's obviously is loaded. Everybody's back from last year. Expectations are sky high. Where where do you come down as you get ready to, to launch this thing in a few weeks?
4: Well, they're, uh, they're all back, and actually we're probably going to see a new middle uh, blocker uh, because we've got some uh, – Cali Schwarzenbach struggled at times last year offensively, so now you've got uh, Kalen Meyer uh, out of Superior, Nebraska, so, and, and uh, we've got a great transfer uh, from Missouri who's here as well, Kayla Caffey. So a lot of options uh, the coach didn't have last year. So in many ways this is an improved team. They're older, they're more mature, they've got more depth, but, uh, you know, Wisconsin's the team to beat. they got uh, the number one setter in the country, Sidney Hilly. They've got the number one player in the country, Dana Reckie. So, uh, Molly Haggerty, I mean, they're absolutely loaded. They're on a mission. I don't know what happened to them in the championship match when they got crushed by Stanford. I, I really think there must have been a, a flu bug or something going through that team. But they are on a mission. They're all seniors. So, Wisconsin, understandably, is the team to beat right now. They're number one in the country preseason.
1: And Nebraska is at five. Did that surprise you that the Huskers were at five with everybody that is back from last year's team?
4: A little bit. I thought maybe Texas would be ahead of Nebraska, and that's about it. Uh, I thought Texas or Nebraska, either way, would go number two. But Baylor, I mean, Baylor lost in five twice to Texas, so they're loaded. They were in the final four. I guess that's legit. And then Stanford. I mean, they lost everybody, but it's Stanford, so uh, they don't re they don't rebuild. They reload. Uh, in palo alto so i guess that's kind of you know the incumbent gets the uh, vote of confidence even though they lost all their great seniors so yeah i'm a little surprised i was thinking uh worst case three or four
1: i'm sure the head coach will utilize that won't he at some point he'll use that as motivation for his
4: group doesn't hurt john cook likes it when he's a hunter not the hunted <laughs> the teams that struggled were the teams that were you know The teams that were considered clearly the most talented, the 2007 Huskers uh, struggled a little bit, 2016 Huskers. I'm sure they got to the Final Four, but boy, the weight of the crown is awfully heavy to carry for for three and a half months. And Coach Cook is just great when no one's expecting, like that 2015 team to sneak up and win the title, the 2018 team that was 9-9, with Stanford in the fifth, Michaela Fecky in that bunch was never expected to get that far. And boy, just so many masterful coaching, uh, coaching efforts by Coach uh, when he hasn't been seen as a as a you know, a, top, you know a, a, a number one, two, or three going into the season. And the same is true for Coach Pettit. I mean, 1996 was masterful, and that group was not expected to go far, and there they were in the in the Final Four. So, yeah, I, if you're a Husker fan, you want to be the hunter, not the hunted.
1: Again, visiting with John Baylor here on Sports On It. We're going to put him to work here in a couple of weeks. Husker volleyball gets started on Friday the 22nd at Indiana. What do you make of these back-to-back matches? This is going to be unique, isn't it?
4: I agree. I uh, I think one thing to look for is, will there ever be splits? I mean, volleyball is a sport which historically doesn't have many upsets. Of course, there are upsets, but nothing in comparison to basketball or football or uh, other sports. In mean, basketball, you get one hot shooter, you know, it. You know, you got a Cinderella beating a number two seed because some guy gets hot and's hitting from three. Volleyball is much more of a team game. It requires everybody to work uh, symbiotically. It's it's a tougher one for a, a lower um, a lower skilled team to beat a an overpowering team. And so, you know, can you know a, a Northwestern take one out of two? Can a Maryland take one out of two uh, from Nebraska? So that'll be interesting to see if uh, you know with an extra day's effort. Maybe the underdog gains some confidence, gains some insight, uh, and you know, can pull off an upset, uh, either a surprise upset on the opening night or a surprise upset on, on the second night. I think back-to-back is going to lend itself to a few more upsets during the season than we're, we're normally accustomed to.
1: Interesting. How about the way it looked like Nebraska is going to tangle with the powers to be, right? I mean, it looks like they got everybody checked off there. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State. It looks like you're not going to slide by. You're going to play you're going to play the best of the best in this league looks like this year.
4: Yeah, we're missing out on Purdue and Michigan State and those are yeah. Excellent programs in the big ten these are programs that would win most conferences, but usually in, in the big ten they're trying they're fighting for number four or five or six in the final standings and they're usually there in the NSA tournament but no Purdue or or no Michigan state the other interesting thing Greg is you know we start against Indiana Northwestern Maryland Rutgers these are good programs, rising programs Indiana's getting better every year we'll see how much progress they' have made but you know we don't see murderers row until a month in and then it's minnesota wisconsin illinois ohio state michigan penn state so it's gonna be a brutal and really fun second half
1: yep no doubt jb you mentioned texas baylor earlier on they played their seasons right are they going to be allowed to play some spring matches or how's this going to work as we pedal our way toward april in the NCAA
4: tournament I need to find the answer to that, and I think I can yeah. get it pretty quickly. But as we speak, they are in the preseason rankings, so they're clearly going to participate. But to what extent? Are they going to have a full season? It's not clear. I mean, they uh, you know, Texas went undefeated. They got the sort of mythical national championship from the fall season. They went five twice with um, Baylor. They went five against Kansas State. Otherwise, you know, just playing in the Big 12, they're not particularly – Challenge, but you can't imagine they're going to sit it out. So the question yeah. is, okay, will they play a full slate? And, and everyone looks like they're playing intra-conference only, so there won't be any, or there'll be very little inter-conference play. So kind of the conference is on their own, and then 48 teams will be selected. And heck, if if Texas plays 10 matches this spring, you know they're going to get selected for the for the field of 48 when it, when it really counts. Baylor the same, but yeah, those teams that played in the fall, Louisville was right there. You know, Kentucky is right there. Um, you know, will, will they have a full season uh, you know, or, or uh, quasi-full season like Nebraska, which has 22 matches slated? Normally, we play about 28 in the regular season, but 22 is pretty close to 28. Will they play anywhere near that number after playing a season this fall? We'll find out.
1: Yeah, I, I just I didn't I didn't understand that as I was seeing volleyball scores cross the screen in the fall from the FCC and the, the ACC and the Big 12. I'm like, "Well, how is this going to work?" I mean, you've got a divided you got a divided sport around the country, so it's going to be bizarre how they piece all that together. Well, you got to be excited. You got to be excited to see this. I know John Cook's wanted volleyball to be in the spring. I don't know if this is going to be permanent or not, but I know Husker fans can't wait to get their eyes on this team.
4: 16 days ago Hold on. Did I get that right? Let me check it out. That sounds right. We start on the 26th without a calculator. 16 days ago, head down to the cellar, start scratching off those days. We're getting close.
1: We're back. It's a Sports Nightly Wednesday night. Wednesdays during the spring and the summer and into parts of the fall, we like to talk a little Major League Baseball. We have an expert for that. Let's give you a little reminder.
0: His voice will sound familiar.
4: And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball.
0: His knowledge is endless.
4: He looked so fast.
0: It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Missed ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle.
1: A guy that's always up for a good New Year's Eve party joins us now. Happy New Year, Lane Grindle. (laughs) I was in bed by... I think by 945, to be honest with you. <laughs> by the way,
5: that open gives me so much credibility as an insider. It just makes me sound so smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are. You're rock solid. You know, kids Kids change the whole New Year's Eve thing, don't they? Once the family gets a part of the picture, it's totally different for New Year's Eve.
5: Yeah, I can't think of the last time I <laughs> truly made it to midnight. I really can't. We, you know, we we'll, we do... The, the fake countdown, and, and, you know, some people will do, like if you're in central time zone, some people will do the fake countdown at 11, and then they let, let them watch the ball drop or whatever, but I'm not even that aggressive. I'm like, Allie, set the timer <laughs> on your phone to 10, and at 10 o'clock we're going to do a 10-9-8 and put them in bed, <laughs> and we feel like we're kind of giving them, you know, a lot of a lot of credit by letting them stay up till 10, to be honest with you, because, honestly, I'm ready to go right behind them. I mean, we put them in bed, and then I go to sleep, and then, I wake up and it's the next year.
1: Started all over again. Uh great to yeah. have you with us. It's, you know, it's 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 been a shortened you know, the off season hasn't been that long, but usually by now you've had winter meetings and I know they did some of that remotely. What what have been some of the bigger storylines in your eyes for baseball since the World Series ended?
5: Well, I think the Padres if you're just looking from a transactional standpoint, who who is making the headlines, who's grabbing the attention and it's the Padres, and the NL West has a chance to be really interesting next year because the Dodgers are are just a great team. They proved that last year. I think they could be arguably even better next year, depending on what they do with the rest of this uh, off season. And uh, they've got a team that is full of young talent that's going to have a great rotation now in the Padres that are chasing them. And, and I think it, it really lines up for some really fun matchups between those two teams over the course of the summer in the NL West. And if you're you're one of those guys who wants to stay up late, like I just said, I don't, and watch some good baseball, <laughs> you're going to have the opportunity to do that. But I do think it's the Padres. I mean, they made a lot of moves at the deadline this year in what was otherwise, you know, kind of a, a unique trade deadline but they they made some moves with their eyes not just on this year but on the future and Mike Clevenger was one of those and of course he had the the injury so he's not going to be available this year Um, so then they made a couple more moves and they go get Blake Snell and they go get you Darvish and they do it all without giving up a guy like a McKenzie Gore who has a chance to be a really special left-hander for them in their rotation maybe at some point this year so uh, I just think they're really set up to not just be very good this year, to be a 95-win type of team this year, but I think they've, they've got a window that's going to be open for quite a while. And so I like their team a lot, and I like the moves they've made. You know, they pushed all the chips to the middle of the table about, what, six, seven years ago uh, mm-hmm. with A.J. Preller as the GM, and they went and got Upton, the Uptons. They got both Uptons. They went and got Craig Kimbrell, and, and it didn't work. But when they started tearing that back down and they made the decision to do it at the right time, they got some great return in those deals, and they were smart about what they were getting back. I mean, to trade James Shields to the White Sox for Fernando Tatis Jr., I mean, holy cow. You know, what a move they made. So they set this up um, back when all of that happened. That's when they really started to set up this go-round. They've made some good signings in Manny Machado. Eric Hosmer's a great clubhouse guy I just think they're set up to be really good and so I would say they're probably the storyline I think the other storyline is the Chicago Cubs and what they're not doing Uh, the fact they move you Darvish they non-tender Kyle Schwarber obviously Jed Hoyer's now the GM because Theo Epstein has moved on and I think what the Cubs do with the rest of their offseason is going to be interesting do they try to re-sign John Lester do they have any interest in that is Chris Bryant a Cub next year is Wilson Contreras a Cub next year? Um, I think that's going to be really interesting to see what the rest of the offseason holds for the team just south of me in Chicago.
1: It's kind of quite a contrast lane with the team on the south side of that city, right? The White Sox seem to be shoving some chips to the middle of the table as well.
5: Yeah, it's really a deal that those two teams made that's a big part of the reason why the White Sox are what they are. Remember, they, they moved to Jose Quintana in 2017 at the deadline, actually, right after the All-Star break uh, when he was highly sought after because of the control, because he was affordable, and because he was a durable left-hander. And he really didn't perform that well for Chicago. I mean, uh, he he was okay for the Cubs, but he never became that front-end starter that I think they, they had hoped he was going to become for them. And what they gave up for him was amazing. And they gave up Elo Jimenez, who's going to be a superstar, I think, for a long time in Major League Baseball. Uh, Dylan Cease, is a right-handed arm that I think is, is going to be really good for them, too. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting group, that White Sox group. And um, they're kind of hitting it at the right time. I mean, the Indians will still be very competitive because they continue to develop pitching uh, left and right. It's amazing how they've been able to turn out pitching over the years. But um, they're probably going to move Lindor, which will certainly impact their lineup, which was fairly average offensively anyway. And you take Lindor out of there, and there's less protection for Jose Ramirez. Um, the Indians will probably struggle to score. And uh, then you look at at, at Minnesota. I, I I like the Twins. I know they had a great year last year. They hit a lot of home runs. But uh, I I think that the Central, if I had to lean on one team that was the favorite, I I, I would I would go with the White Sox. I really would. And um, I think the Tony LaRusso dynamic is going to be an interesting one to follow. But the White Sox roster is just it's ready to go. It's very strong. And uh, I think they're going to be an interesting team in the American League.
1: Fizzing with Lane Grindle, our Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. We're hot right in the middle of the hot stove league, and training camps will be opening here in just about six weeks or so. Jeff Passan from ESPN.com, he, he wrote, he, he said it's one of the slowest off seasons ever in Major League Baseball. Does the pending labor agreement factor into that? And where are we with that as baseball looks toward labor relations here in the next year?
5: Yeah, I don't I don't think that that probably has a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. I, I think if you look over the last few years, the calendar has been getting moved later and later in the off season in terms of movement with free agents and uh, some of the trades and everything else. And then I think when you factor in that, that this year there weren't true winter meetings uh, in the traditional sense and everything else, it's just slowing things down. And I think everybody – uh, for the most part, probably anticipated that coming into this off season. So I don't, I don't think, um, you know, the the CBA, which will be reworked at the end of this year, um, really has anything to do with that. To be honest with you, um, and and you know that'll be a storyline that once we get through this year, uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be talking about. But I, I think both sides made a lot of ground last year, going through this unprecedented time and figuring out how to play a 60 game season and getting that season played, and now there's things they got to work through going into this year. Um, but I think it, it's, it's got both sides to the table, and I think they realize uh, we need to play baseball, and it's important to play baseball. And so I, I, I have faith that both sides will, will do a great job working together and, and getting all that taken care of.
1: Lane, I saw a story today that they're talking about moving back the camps for the minor league teams. Do you anticipate – Major League Baseball starting their camps on time, and how much do you think they watch how the NFL executed their season, the NBA's back on at it and playing in arenas just with no fans? Where, where do you think this is, and when does Major League Baseball make some announcements about this?
5: Well, I don't know that they're going to look too hard at what the NFL or what the NBA ha- have done uh, only because – Baseball had their model last year, and really after they made some tweaks to it through the first couple of weeks, it ended up working about as well as it could have, and it went about as smoothly as it could have. So um, I, I think that's, that's a lot of credit to the, to the staffs, to the support staffs, to the players and everybody for getting on the same page and buying in and making it work. And I think they kind of became the model for some of these other leagues in terms of how do you do it outside of a bubble, Um, because I think we all know if you really want to make it work and go really smooth, you do it in a bubble, but it also limits you in so many ways with the things you can do. Um, But baseball kind of showed how to do this outside of a bubble, and so um, I I was proud of the way baseball got through all of that. Um, In terms of of getting started on time, uh, you know, I I, I don't have any inside information, to be honest with you, on when uh, the season will begin. I'm I'm working under the uh, assumption that we're going to start when we were scheduled to start that spring training will start like it always does and we'll have a spring training and, and and we'll get the season started. I mean, all the other things around that and how it looks, I think all those things are very fluid. I know we all kind of are tired of the word fluid right now, but that's just the reality of it um, because each day brings something new and, and the outlook can change and the numbers can change and everything else. So um, as of right now, I'm just, I'm planning on spring training, like, like I normally would until somebody tells me differently. And um, I think that's how probably the players are going about it, too. There's been some stories, and I don't know how uh, how accurate they are yet, but some stories this week that would kind of lend themselves to the thought that maybe we will get started on time. And so we'll see if that reporting you know bears out to be accurate in the end.
1: Well, you'd like to think that, you know, by March, certainly by April, the vaccinations are going to be pretty abundant for people to go get them if you want them. And so that that has to, I think, factor into this decision for baseball. Well, we're also in in the Hall of Fame time where the Baseball Writers Association are, guys are submitting their ballots. Bill James, who's been a longtime numbers cruncher for baseball, uh, put out a tweet the other day that was really kind of saying, you know, it's time to, time to probably let some of those steroid era guys in. They... The rules, they were playing by the rules of the game. Baseball chose to look the other way when they were doing it, and maybe it's time for Clemens or Bond or one of those guys to bust through and get into the Hall of Fame. What do you think? Are we getting close to maybe where they, they lower the curtain and let a few of those guys come in?
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. For me, uh, I, I, would, I would vote those guys in. I, I would, and I know – that some people don't like that. And I get it. I totally understand the objection to it, but I look to me, Barry Bonds, I mean, even before, uh, when we think that the, the steroids became part of the equation, um, he was a hall of famer. He was still an, an all-time great at that point in time. And so, um, uh, I, I would, I, I would, I would probably vote these guys in. Um, they had unbelievable careers, uh, they were tremendous. We don't really know the full scope of who was clean, who wasn't. It's not like we have um, an absolute number and, and everybody, you know, is known that that used it and that didn't. And so I, a lot of it's rumor and innuendo. Some of it's proven, obviously, but I, I, I would vote these guys in. I, I think they – they, i get not voting them in first ballot maybe that's your protest but i think at the end of the day um these guys put up hall of fame numbers and they played over a long stretch of time and they had great careers and yeah it's a little bit tainted maybe there's an asterisk next to their names but um i think i'd probably put them in the hall of fame
1: yeah i'm, I'm with you i, I think that um uh... They got away with it when it, and baseball was really not really monitoring it too much, and so why why penalize them this much longer? But uh, a lot of baseball writers hold a lot of grudges. as We kind of know, uh, yeah. And I, look, <laughs> I get it. I get it to a degree, Greg. I do. I just think um,
5: I think we don't have a full picture of who was and who wasn't.
2: Correct. Um, yeah.
5: And so the ones that we do know that were or were like ninety five percent sure that they were. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of use them as, as the, uh, as the example, but I mean, I, do we really think there aren't some other guys in there that, that never used something that was a performance enhancing drug or did something else, um, that was, um, not becoming of a game. I I, I think that the purity test is hard on this because we don't really know everything that everybody
1: did. Correct. Well, I see that Allie's kicked you out of the house a few times this winter. You've been doing some college basketball. Good for you.
5: Yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I had a chance to, um, it's kind of a fun thing for, for, uh, me here in Milwaukee, you know, my broadcast partner here in Milwaukee is Jeff Levering and, and he's, uh, who I do the radio broadcast with. Um, and then of course there's this other guy named Bob Euchre that we both do the games with, but, um, But Jeff and I worked uh, most of the road games together. And on the opening day of the college basketball season, I opened the season with the first game of the year, technically, um, on FS1. And it was Oakland at Xavier in Cincinnati. And then the last game of the day on FS1 was Jeff doing uh, a Marquette game at home. And so we were like, hey, we were kind of the bookends on the opening day of college basketball on FS1. It was kind of a fun thing. Uh, for us. I don't think anybody else cares, but it was neat for us. (laughs) But uh, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I've done a lot of Big East games uh, this year and uh, have enjoyed getting to know that conference a little bit more. There's some good basketball in that conference, as a lot of your listeners know. I did a couple of Creighton games, and boy, they look poised to make a nice run this year before it's all said and done. And then the other two teams in the Big East that I've seen a lot of, um, Xavier has had a great start to the year. They're very deep. And then I really like that Seton Hall team. I think people should not sleep on them. I think they're going to be a real factor in the Big East before it's all said and done. But I've enjoyed it. Got a chance to work with Nick Baugh, who, of course, is a, a Lincoln native and, and a tremendous broadcaster himself. And I work with former Iowa Hawkeye Jess Settles, who I grew up watching a little bit as a kid, even when he was a high schooler. So it's been fun to kind of travel around a little bit and, and, and do some college basketball and get back in the college game a little bit, too. I've missed that.
1: Heck yeah, Seton Hall playing Creighton, and I up in Omaha. They're tipping off in about twenty minutes, and you know that you and Jeff having that booking thing that would seem to make a pretty good little nugget for a game note for the Brewers at some point in time next year. Maybe yeah. they work make work that in there.
5: Yeah, well, if not, we'll we'll. I'm sure during some lopsided game, one yeah. way or another, we'll find you're, some way to talk about it. You know how that goes. You're always you're, looking for
4: something to fill.
1: <laughs> Remember the opening day for college basketball, Jeff? You and I were both working. <laughs>
4: exactly. Very good.
1: Everybody else okay? Family all right? Doing okay?
5: Yeah, everybody's doing great here. We're uh we're just kind of enjoying the off season mode and uh getting ready for baseball. Everybody's ready for it.
1: Well great. Well we appreciate you kinda of getting this filled in. We'll look forward to your report starting up in April when we get the season underway and so have a great rest of your winter and enjoy some spring training down in Arizona.
5: Can't wait, Greg. Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkeman. So. and Austin Orman.
6: That's right. Here we are, the end of Season 1 of the Everyone Playing edition of Buy Sell and the start of Season 2. As we'll get into some questions at the end, but what everybody is worried about right now is how season one turned out. And as we left it, as actually a couple days before Christmas, uh, Greg, you had a three-point lead over Ben. We had ten questions that were asked. All of those were answered. Plus, we had eight more answers. So eighteen. 18- 18 total answers. Goodness. And Ben, you have a you have a shot. You have a chance going into it and that's all you can really ask for. Was
2: any how far was third place behind me?
6: Quite a bit behind. It was Austin, but he I believe going into it was maybe like 6 is, 7 more points. Yeah, five or six. Dave. Got it. So we will jump into our answers and some of these go way back including a question from September 23rd. Uh, Austin asked a Sports Nightly Fantasy Football League question on that day. or sell that there would be at least three more instances of a Sports Nightly Fantasy Football League team scoring 200 points in the season. That was a sell. There weren't any more instances of that happening. It was kind of a fluke. Um, and we waited all the way through the playoffs. Austin clarified that even if a team did it in one week, that that would count during the playoffs. So it uh, didn't happen. Nobody did it again. It was a sell. I was the only one that bought it. Everybody else sold it and got it right. Wow. I even forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah. That did, was a so did fast.
2: one team do it before or two? I kind of felt like. There are two. Two, two, other, two, yep, two yep. did that it. That's the
6: yeah. reason why he asked the question is because a couple teams already, had already accomplished did, it. But it did our happen.
1: fan win the league? They, he did. Yes. He, Lamar. He won it. Way to go, Lamar. Sweet. Good for him. And how,
2: how You know what's crazy about that, guys, is we've had Alvin Kamara score six touchdowns and Tyreek Hill with 200 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> right. and a quarter, a quarter, and they
6: still didn't get 200. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe I, I got that question wrong, but obviously it wasn't even close.
7: See, the thing about Lamar winning is that it really takes the your team, your state, your show to a whole new level. Like, we really yeah, are a right. show of the people. That's like, right. We are. We are. Yeah. So just just keep that in mind, people. Hopefully you're lucky enough to win next year and play us. But I did have another Sports Nightly Fantasy Football League question a couple weeks later. I asked, buy or sell that Jeremiah Searles SN Fantasy Football League team wins at least as many games as Josh Banderas' team loses. We didn't follow up with Searles on this, but the answer was a sell. Searles only got three wins. Bando ended up with five regular season losses plus a postseason loss. So, Ben and Tim bought it and were incorrect.
6: There you go. That's no good. Yeah. So, that's. Come on, Searles. Now you're down four, Ben, <laughs> as, as we're keeping track here. Uh, moving on to a, another question a week later, October 14th. A Tim question here from the NFL. By herself, that Le'Veon Bell would sign with another team and score at least three rushing touchdowns this season. Now, he did sign with the Chiefs, so that was another team, but he only had two rushing touchdowns. He came up just shy of that mark so it was a sell and greg you and brett were the only ones to buy it so you were wrong the rest of us were right and now we're back
2: to where Man. we started <laughs> all square Three, yeah. we're back to all That's, square on the
1: week yeah on the week the, what but what a great line though right yes. I mean, yeah, that was a was. great question tim. he gets good job tim way to go
8: tim oh if tim's don't listening him on job. the back very much yep. but yeah he, no that was a good one
7: <laughs> Good All time. right. Another October 14th NFL question. Ben, you asked us buy or sell that a rookie in the NFL scores at least three touchdowns in a single game again sometime this season. Non passing touchdowns, so rushing, receiving, or return touchdowns, I suppose. Correct answer, a bye. Antonio Gibson, three touchdowns Ooh. on Thanksgiving. Ben, you were right with the bye. You tried to call your shot with C.D. Lamb, but we'll give you the one point. <laughs> and Brett also <laughs> bought it. So you pick up ground on this question, plus one, did, Ben. Did
2: C.D. Lamb catch three touchdowns after that okay. question was asked? He had
6: a game where he had two touchdowns. There were It was a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, I believe. But you didn't get the extra point, but you got it right. And I'll I'll be honest, I didn't even – try looking up this question until the season was completely over i wasn't going to try to keep track of that but it it, antonio gibson is i could have given 10 names and he he probably wouldn't have been
2: the one that i picked
6: (laughs) yeah he, he did do it so we are we are good there uh ben you had another question a couple weeks later also from the nfl and this one you asked by yourself that the falcons would win a game and lose a game in the final two minutes or overtime of a game the rest of the season. That ended up being a sell because none of their three wins after that point were decided in the last two minutes. It wasn't even really close. There were a couple of games that were relatively close, but they weren't decided even in the last quarter. So at that point, I didn't even check losses to see if any were decided because there was already a sell. They did. They did blow one in the final two minutes. Was it...
7: I uh, was against
2: the Buccaneers.
6: There you go. So they 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 needed one of their wins to be decided late. It didn't happen. And it, yeah, they had
2: the chance against the Chiefs and blew it. And you and Tim were the only ones
6: to buy it, and that uh, that didn't happen. So the rest of us got it right. Greg, you pick one back up. Back up Thanks, three. Falcons. Yeah, can't <laughs> trust them. Can't Is that trust your, them. It was
7: your question. It was your question. It's was it was my question. question. Yeah. Yep. We'll go to a Josh question now from the next week, but sticking in the NFL, Josh, you asked us buy or sell that the loser of the Bills Seahawks game finishes the NFL regular season with at least eleven wins. The Seahawks won that game forty-four to thirty-four, for reference, and the answer was a buy. So the Seahawks get to twelve wins. The Bills get to thirteen. Only one of us bought it. I'm not going to name names, but yes, I am. It's me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Austin. So you, you got it right, right, Austin. Yeah. I did. Good for you. Good job, dart, Austin. Good ten-
6: question, Josh. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that one uh it took a while. The Seahawks lost that game and then they I believe they lost one, maybe not the next week, but the week after that. So it took a while, but then they picked up steam and finished the season strong. Moving right along here, Ben, you had an NBA question, I believe. Are we already to our last week's games? Yes, we are. So you asked by or sell that James Harden, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant would combine to score at least 95 points in their first game played of the season. That ended up being a sell. James Harden did his part. He dropped in 44 in his first game. But Man, come Curry, on, guys. Curry, Curry only had 20, and Durant only had 22 for a total of 86. So you came nine short. Ben, you Good were line. the only one to buy your own question, and you were the
2: only one to get it wrong. So you that's, lose that's incredible. That's incredible. I get Pretty forty-four from the beard, and, and can't can't get. It. And then Steph just chips in sixty-two the other night. Right. Come on, he guys! He done that on
6: on day one. What in the world's going on here?
2: The overweight beard, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's actually having a great season. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it.
7: We'll go to a Josh Husker men's basketball and NBA combo question for this next one. Josh asked, buy or sell to the top three scorers for Nebraska ball against Michigan on Christmas score more points combined than the leading score in the five NBA games on Christmas? The answer was a buy. Allen, Banton, and McGowan for Nebraska combined for 57. Kyrie Irving only 37 for the New Jersey Nets. Well, Brooklyn Nets, I suppose. Greg and Ben, you guys were right. You both bought it. Yeah, that's
1: it. How about that? Go big, red.
7: So I'm Grin. five.
2: I, so I'm five down, right? Uh, four down, I believe. Four. Okay.
6: Yep, you're four down. All right, uh, Ben. You had another NBA question here by ourselves that the last undefeated team in the NBA would be from the Western Conference. We already have an answer to that, and we had it almost a week ago. The answer is: cell. the Orlando Magic were the last undefeated the Magic. team. They, of course, are from the Eastern Conference. They lost their first game on New Year's Eve, so December 31st. The Thunder were the last undefeated team in the West, and they were actually only 1-0. They, <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't make it very far. But uh, they were they lost on uh, December 28th, so a few days before the Magic. So the Magic were undefeated, the only undefeated team, for about three days by themselves. Uh, three of us bought it. Three of us sold it. The ones that got it correct were myself, Brett, and Tim, Greg and Ben Yu, and Austin all. Got it wrong, so no points made up for the you know, one, and one
1: and zero. One and zero is the <laughs> best record of the West. Oh man! Yep. I mean, other teams, Magic.
6: other teams started better than had better records than that, but they lost their first game before the Thunder did.
7: So that's so funny. Yep. We'll switch gears now from the hardwood to the gridiron. A Big Ten football question that I asked. I asked buy or sell that at least three Big Ten teams cover the spread in their bowl games. At the time, the lines were Wisconsin favored by a touchdown, Iowa 14.5 point favorites, Northwestern a field goal and a half favorites, Ohio State 7.5 point underdogs, and Indiana. Also a touchdown favorite. Correct answer was a buy. Wisconsin, Northwestern, Ohio State cover. Indiana and Iowa don't. The production room swept this one. We all bought it. Greg and Ben, though, you guys both sold it.
2: No faith in, in Kevin Warren's league. Just, yeah. just yeah. not enough faith. Not enough faith. They
6: I'm got hanging my head in shame. Yeah, you should have been supporting. <laughs> been supporting the league. Come on, guys. All right. Uh, next question was one that I asked uh, from the NFL. buyer saw that Tom Brady and Drew Brees would combine for at least 500 passing yards in the next game they started. This was actually not the last week of the season. It was week 16. Brees had 311 yards Ooh. passing. Brady had 348. Woo! Week 17, he had almost 400. So he's been finishing hot. Uh, but that's a combined 659 more than enough to get that 500 yeah. mark. But get this: none of us bought it. All of us what? were wrong with us. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know
1: what happened there, but was that the game that Brady didn't play the second half or didn't because they lifted him? They had a that big lead. That could be actually, and yeah. it was Breeze's first game back from exactly. the injury yes. Exactly.
6: We yeah. all thought that he was going to maybe go for one fifty. That's what we thought that yeah. Breeze was going to be the one to bring it down, but he did his part. Wow! How about that
7: technically Breeze did bring it down. He had less than Brady, right? So. But he got more than half. He did. All right. We'll I have a soccer question from Ooh, Brett right. from from football to fake football. Brett asked: <laughs> Buy or sell that Chelsea defeats Arsenal by at least three goals on December twenty sixth, or that Arsenal scores a goal on a penalty? The answer was a buy. Apparently, Arsenal won three to one, <laughs> uh, and they scored on a penalty in the thirty fifth minute. The two absentees got it right. The two guys that follow soccer the most religiously, Brett and Tim, bought. All Man. four of us present tonight sold.
6: Man. I mean, it was a combo question. You know, those parlays. We, Greg, you especially both hate, hate it. But, well, I mean, I guess it wasn't a parlay. It was an either or, and it still happened. You're right. It I was ne- an or.
1: I never get the soccer one right. Right. Soccer's <laughs> I tough. Know.
6: I, I hate it. that, though, that the guys who know soccer, Brett and Tim, are the ones that got it right. But you know. yeah, We'll never hear the end of that. <laughs> I know. Well, at least they're not here to rub it in our face. All right. Uh, Greg, you had an NFL question by yourself that both Arizona and Miami would make the playoffs. So that was a parlay. Both of them had to make it. And neither of them did. So that was a sell. And I hang my head in shame now. Me and uh, Brett, we both got it wrong. The rest of you guys were correct
2: with a sell. Neither one, Miami maybe. Miami was just trending the wrong direction
6: Yeah. The I, last
2: few weeks of the season.
6: I honestly, looking back at it, that was kind of a, a silly silly buy on my part because both of them had to do it. But I, I thought at least one of them would
7: have. I thought Miami yeah. was a sure thing than Arizona, but Kyler Murray goes down and they fade real hard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They did. All right. We'll get a Tim question in here. Husker basketball related. He asked by yourself that Nebraska would have at least four players scoring double figures against Michigan on Christmas Day or that the Huskers shoot above 35% from the arc. Correct answer was a sell. Only three players reached double figures and they shot exactly 35%, not above it, making the answer a sell. So, Ben, you pick up a point. On it, Greg with a sell. Josh and I also <laughs> selling our correct.
1: I was tracking that we jacked a three really? with like thirty seconds to go. We were like thirty-eight <laughs> percent <38% laughs> with two minutes to go, and we missed our we doinked our last two threes. And it I did. was about to say, I wonder if we checked the shot tracker
2: shot chart when our last missed yeah. three came in that game. <laughs> I didn't even they, think to look at that, but I
6: just was stunned by the wording because usually when I word it, it's like thirty-five or more. But he said above thirty-five yeah. percent, and they land at thirty-five, right at thirty-five. So yeah, that's hilarious. That's a heartbreaker <laughs> right there for you, Greg. But It could not so it matter goes. in the end, but so for, now, for now it's a bummer. <laughs> yep, yeah, I believe we are even right now as it stands back right at three, uh, three-point lead, which we came in at for Greg. Uh, ben, you got a college football question here by yourself that the leading passer, rusher, and receiver in bowl games that began that day December 23rd would combine for 850 yards or have at least 10 TDs. And this was going through the national championship, but we already – have the answer it was a buy the yards came up short actually for the leading yard gainers in those categories with 771 so well short of that but the TDs happened 13 of course fields leading the way at the quarterback position and then Willis and Smith were the other ones to get the uh, uh, the other category in that touchdowns Ben you were the only one to buy it you were the only one to get it right so congrats you make up a point you're only down two three questions
2: to go Six touchdowns, just stupid. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, that is a lot.
7: All right, we'll move on to a Husker men's and women's basketball combo question that I asked. I asked, by yourself that Nebraska men's and women's basketball combined to average 65 points per game in conference games through yesterday. There's supposed to be a Purdue game in there. Uh, That one got canned. So the answer is a sell. They only averaged 63.6, so real close wow, to that line. Wow, another great line. I would have loved to have seen that over hit with the Purdue game because five of us bought it. Greg, you were right. You sold it. You're probably probably happy that that Purdue game didn't happen just for the sake of buy-sell only.
6: Um. Had it all the way. You, you, knew, a great <laughs> line. you knew exactly what was going <laughs> to happen. Was he the only one? Yeah. yeah. Gray was the only one to get <laughs> it. And there was a 53-point game, the Rutgers win for the Husker the women. women. Yeah. How is that even possible? That brought it brought it down. So, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, two more questions to go. This one from our college football bowl draft. I saw that the winner of the Husker Sports Network college football bowl draft would score at least 375 points. Ben McLaughlin was the winner of that draft, and he scored – 370, So five short, oh, and please. only one person sold it. That was Tim. He got it right. He was the only one to get it right, but he also finished last in our bull draft. So you win yeah. some, you lose some. T-
2: Tim didn't even pick or play. Tim's players would opt out. Tim, you want our sub? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> Hashtag God's plan. Yeah, he yeah. gave up. He gave up on it real quick.
7: All right, last question of the season comes to us from Brett in the NBA. He asked, Buy or sell that the leading scores from the five Christmas Day games combined to average at least twenty-nine and a half points. The answer was a buy another good line, thirty point four points, whoa, the average. Whoa. Half of us bought it, half of us sold it. Brett and Tim bought, as did Ben, picks up another point. Greg, you I lose my by one correct.
6: No, you lost by two. So you got okay. back to within two on that. I know it was close, but another, a quick note on that. the Brett initially had the line set at 30 and a half, and I told him to bring it down to 29 and a half, and he did. So, so <laughs> it was
2: 30.4, so originally it would have been a would sell. Been, it would have been a At 30.4 with 30.5. Yeah, he, he changed cow. it. All right, so,
6: Greg, you are the winner. You win by two, 104 to 102. Everybody had a relatively bad week. The... Brett Austin and Tim were the best at nine of 18. Ben, you were eight of 18, so you picked up one on Greg, and uh, who went seven of 18, as did I. One quick note before we jump into our questions, and I'm, I'm sending you everybody our, our uh, buy/sell certificates that we get every year, and you, you also have a paper <laughs> copy to pick up whenever you're in studio. But uh, the easiest question asker was actually surprised. We made fun of Ben all season long and Greg you actually ended up having the easiest questions at a sixty four and a half percent rate. So and then I actually overcame uh, a log jam for the hardest question asker and I was the hardest question asker at fifty three point two percent. So what did I end up? You, I was the I was the punching bag all season you were long. You're at sixty two something. <laughs> and also just a quick shout out to Austin. He had the best uh, percentage against Another person. He answered Greg's questions at an eighty-four point three percent
2: clip. Holy cow! Greg, in my BP picture. Thanks. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty-seven Six. of thirty-two. Send Austin a gift card, Greg, <laughs> for that. That's uh, so. Is two points, Josh? The the smallest margin of victory yet. I think we've Ow. had a one-point game. Yeah. At some I kind of think we well, have. Well, we've, we've had a tiebreaker. We've had a
6: tiebreaker. Oh yeah, it. that's right. I All right, lost man. on a tiebreaker. I
1: feel good to go through 18 questions and hold him off. Wow. I know. That was a <laughs> that was a
6: marathon. I know. There was a lot of yeah. – as I was checking these questions earlier today, it was lots of ups and downs as I was like, ooh, maybe Ben has a chance. Nope, here comes Greg. Yeah. It, was, it was back and forth. What's, so. what's
2: crazy is, uh, you, you know, we play this for however long, and you feel like, oh, I gave one back there, and oh, no big deal. But it literally comes down to two questions. Like yeah. every question <laughs> matters. Exactly. All right, wow. let's jump in.
1: All right, go I'll first. go first. NFL question. Buy or sell that Tom Brady throws for more yards than any quarterback this weekend? I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it. I was gonna buy, but I'm gonna sell too cuz yeah,
6: I Yeah, I, give me I, the field. Yeah, I'm selling. Exactly. He's been hot, obviously, but when you're looking at that many people,
7: I trust the Bears defense just enough and I distrust my Colts secondary. That's in a little rough shape. So, I'm afraid it's going to be a shootout in Buffalo. Sell. So yeah. And, and Washington's really good against the pass. True. Yeah. Good point. All right, Ben, you're up
2: next. All right. With the announcement of the NCAA basketball tournament all playing in the state of Indiana, buy or sell that at least four teams in the state of Indiana make the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, so you're, there, there's a lot of them. You've got Ball State, Butler, Evansville, Indiana, Indiana State, Uwe Pooey, <laughs> Notre Dame, Purdue, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and Valpo. So you've got a lot to choose from. I did a lot of thinking on this today. I'm right, but I'm at like three and a half. I think is the line, so I'm gonna sell it. Okay. But I don't feel good about it. I think it's three. I think three get in.
7: Yeah, that seems like a lot. I'll sell two. Man, I mean, how a storybook would it be if more than if at least four made it? I. Eh. Indiana's going to be on the ten. bubble. There's 10 schools. Yeah. Indiana and Purdue will be in the conversation. I don't think Butler. Notre game's all that Butler's good. Butler's probably a given. Butler's probably there. I will I'll, – I'll buy it, and I think one other does. So I'll even take five. Whoa.
1: I'm going to buy it as well. I think there's enough there. is probably a team that can win their league, so, yeah, I'm going to buy it. All right. Very good.
6: I'm up next with an NFL question here. Buy or sell that at least five underdogs – win by 3 points or more throughout the entirety of the playoffs including the Super Bowl. So that I mean you got 13 games to choose from. So will there be 5 underdogs that win a game by 3 points or more throughout the playoffs? And I'm going to buy that. I I don't know if there's going to be that many this first wild card weekend, maybe 2, but I think that once you get later in the playoffs there'll be some close lines, maybe a team favored by 2 points and then it's basically a pick 'em game and so the underdog will
7: We'll pick up a victory, so I'm going to buy that. Josh, you and I were going back and forth looking at the games and potential matchups, and this is the line we settled on, and I think it's a really good one. I, I think I'll buy it, but man, that's it's a good line. I like it. I'm going to sell it.
1: I, I think it's just a little ag- aggressive, and I could see a really a one point game, which wouldn't qualify for correct. Yes, the three. That's so, a
6: twist in there. Yeah,
1: I'm going to sell it.
7: Bye. underdogs baby underdogs all day all right (laughs) austin all right i'll stick in the nfl do you guys buy or sell that urban meyer and eric biennemi are both officially reported as the head coach of an nfl team one week after the buy one week after the super bowl on february 14th i will buy it i think ol herb comes out the jags are going to overpay for him and biennemi is about due
1: yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I think Biennemi's going to – he's interviewed for a couple jobs this week. I think he gets one, definitely, and I think Urban's going to dip his toe in that NFL water, so I buy. I think Biennemi's
2: up to five interview jobs now. He's going to land one of them, and I, I'm with you. I think I think Herbs takes that Jags job, and how ironic would it be if Trevor Lawrence is his quarterback? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how about that? I'm, I'm buying, too. I think
6: that definitely will happen. Uh, all right, Tim has a college football question next. He asks – I saw that Justin Fields will throw for at least three touchdown passes in the title game or Trey Sermon will rush for at least 100 yards and score one touchdown. I'm going to buy that. I feel like if you give me an either or, uh, that'll happen. I don't know if Fields throws for three touchdowns, but Trey Sermon is a beast. I think they'll ride him uh, quite
7: a bit in that game, so I'm, I'm buying And see, I buy for the opposite reason. I think that Bama secondary is gettable. At least it was early. I don't think anyone that Sertan is guarding gets one, but I I wouldn't be too surprised to see three. So I'll buy it. His health worries me, though. Right. You know, is he he really okay in
1: this thing? Um, But, yeah, Sermon's been great. I'll buy it. So Sermon has to get 100 and a touchdown. And a touchdown. And a a touchdown. And he doesn't specify what kind Uh, of touchdown. So it can be any touchdown. But it's an or question. So you can get it in the fields.
6: I mean, it's tough. I, part of me doesn't Man, want to buy it, I, but
2: it's... I, I'm going
7: to... I'll buy it, but I, I, I'm not confident at all. All right, one more question to go. All right, Brett is a Husker Sports combo question asker this week. He asks, buy or sell that volleyball totals more wins than football, women's basketball, and men's basketball combined in the year 2021, including any postseason games. I'm going to sell it. I think the schedule is shortened a little bit, and I think the basketballs will pick it up. Women's basketball well, after a really hot, hot start this year. So volleyball will be really good, but I think the combination of the four pushes that over. So I'm selling. All right. And see, I, here's my question. I, is he saying
6: in the calendar year 2021, there could possibly be a chance that volleyball plays will plays play a fall, fall season?
1: Well, and football would, too, and then.
6: football would, too, but um, there's a lot I think more volleyball he means, games.
1: I think he means to the end of this school year. All right. is how I would read and that. It, so. Either
6: way, I'm going to buy it. Volleyball is going to win a lot, I think, and I don't know how. I, women's basketball, the way they've been playing, is kind of what makes me
2: rethink that question, but we'll see. I'm buying it. Bye. <laughs> All
6: right. All right. Three buys and one sell there. I just gave John Cook more bulletin board material. You guys are welcome.
1: (laughs) Well done, guys. Good stuff there. Greg Sharp back with you. Sports Nightly here on a Wednesday night. Two days from now, the Husker wrestlers will be on the mat at the Devaney Center taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. First match of this odd season that now is just getting underway and delighted to welcome on board the program Husker Wrestling Coach Mark Manning. Hello, coach, happy New Year to you. I bet you're happy to finally get the guys into some action.
8: Yeah, Greg, thanks. Thanks for having us on and yeah, we definitely are. We're uh it's been a long time since we competed since uh early March uh last year at the Big Ten tournament. So it's uh it's a welcomed uh, uh welcome event and we're ready to we're ready to go.
1: What have you been doing with this group? Have they been training hard? What did you give them some time off around the holidays? What's What's the last month, two months been like?
8: Well, we, we our administration got us back in our in, back in the wrestling room on August 24th, around when school started. About a week after school started, and and then we've been antigen testing, you know, right after Christmas a few days after christmas so we uh we we took off some in november um but then in in uh in december leading up to to break we we put in a two and a half week training cycle and then gave our guys about seven days for christmas got them back and we've been training hard getting ready for the year so we're uh we we have to do it quick because we have six dates and seven weekends really
1: yeah That'll be a, that'll be a load. I'm looking at your roster. It's it's kind of got a mix. Let's start with some of the veteran guys and and CJ Red back for his senior season. I'm, I bet you have high hopes for him.
8: Yeah, absolutely. You know, three time All American. He's 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 one of our leaders. Um, you know, he's back at 141, and he's he's just you know it's great when when in my in my uh, my position I get to see these young guys come in and they. They're all talented, but then just to see how they grow and they mentally grow and they mature into the competitors they are, it's just, it's fun to see how their, their goals match up with their maturity and, and their, how they just think different. <laughs> uh, they think a lot more mature when, when they're 22 than they are when they're 18. And <laughs> that's just a fun process to go through. Sometimes it's hard lessons, but it's really neat. And CJ's, one of those guys, you know.
1: A couple of other seniors that have done a lot for you on the mat: Taylor Venz at 184, and then Eric Schultz in at your 197 pounder. Are they raring to go? What's what's their their preseason been like?
8: Yeah, most most definitely. These guys are are uh, these guys are veteran guys, uh, Taylor and, and Eric, and they're uh, especially Eric. He's his his motor never stops running. And so he's 197 pound. Uh, he, he's he's just a beast. He he just gives 100 percent effort in everything he does, and and uh, he he's a go getter, and he's going to have a great season. And Taylor is too. He's he's uh, dinged up a little this weekend, but um, but he's going to be fine moving forward. But those guys, CJ, along with with Taylor and and Eric, are are you know three of the seniors that we. We have back and, and we're um, we're excited about where they're gonna lead us to.
1: Mikey Labrioli, you're one seventy four. He's certainly had a, a nice career. Not a senior, just a junior, but uh what, what are your expectations yep. for him at one seventy four?
8: Boy, we, we kind of have death row there. We we uh, we moved Peyton Rob, who was who actually in the a all, freshman all American force last year at one fifty seven. He's up at one sixty five this year. And then, you know, you know, Mikey Laberola is right after that and then Taylor Vance and Eric Schultz and then we have another senior in Christian Lance at heavyweight. So we kinda have death row there. So it's uh it, it's really a nice problem to have and and uh you know those guys are just they're just solid individuals and Mikey, you know, just um comes in with a lot of energy and 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 is a fun teammate to be around. He's keeps it light, but he's really, he's got his, his goal set really high for a national title this year, and and he's got a couple guys back in his weight that are, that are tough, and and so he has high expectations.
1: Well, those are some of the, again, we're visiting with Husker Wrestling Coach Mark Manning here on Sportsline. Those are some of the veteran names that people will certainly remember and jog their memory for great competitors for the Huskers. How about some some guys who may be cracking your lineup this year that you're excited about?
8: Yeah, we we have a young man uh, is going to be our 125 pounder this year, Liam Cronin. He's a transfer. He'll be he's a senior this year for us from Indiana, and he's he's going to Alex Thompson, and him wrestled three times last year, and and so we're really familiar with Liam, and it, it, it's a great fit for us because we knew Alex was going to move up at 133, and so it really fits well in in our lineup and and what we tried to you know piece together you know to win a uh, some championships this year so we really love uh, Liam and then you know uh, at 149 we have three 149 ponders that probably could be interchangeable at all different times and Brock Hardy is is a uh, is a freshman um he went on it. We we signed him about three years ago. He we went out, did his Mormon mission uh, for two years and came back and he's he's um you know, it's funny when we signed him three years ago it seems such a, a long process and now now he's in yeah. our room and, and he's gonna get the nod this weekend and then we also have Javon Parrish and Keith on Davaport and are both nipping at their heels is the heels. So it, we have we have three guys that are really capable there and then we have uh Caleb Licking at one fifty seven who uh, wrestled a lot for us the last couple of years sparingly. Um and uh actually last year in Minnesota when we were up there our last duel of the year in the Big Ten he uh he filled in. Peyton had had uh, had got um banged up before that dual meet and couldn't go and we Killed licking field in really was wrestling a weight lower and came and knocked off the 14th ranked guy in the country six to zero that day. And he really made a great impression on us, just the time that he's put in and how he's developed himself and killed licking, you know, local guy from Norfolk, Nebraska, and walked on and now he's, he's going to be starting for us at 157. So really excited for him and his, his year this year.
1: Well, wow, looking forward to seeing all these guys get after it again. Minnesota, the first opponent Friday night at the Devaney Center at 8 o'clock. All conference matches, and you go right in the frying pan next week, don't you, Coach, going to Iowa on the 15th?
8: Yeah, yeah. Iowa returning Big Ten champs, and, uh, you know, they would have had a, a great opportunity to win a national title last year, and and they they have pretty much everyone back, and, and it's going to be a great battle. We had a we had a great battle with them last year. Score might have not have seemed like, it, but at the Big Ten tournament, we we changed. We had lost three three matches in the duel that would have would have swayed the match our way, and we we uh, we upset them at at the Big Ten tournament. Um, so we're looking forward, you know, to going over there next weekend. But first things first, this Friday night with Minnesota, but. It is going to be a lot different because there's not going to be, there won't be fifteen thousand Iowa fans over there uh, hooting and hollering at us. So it'll be a lot different, and uh, you know it'll be a lot lot easier environment to compete in.
1: No doubt. Well, get started this week with the Gophers. The Huskers coming off a season where they finished second in the Big Ten championships. Mark Manning uh, back for another season leading the Huskers. Can't wait for this to get going. I know you're, you and the guys are certainly excited for this thing. Have some fun. Go get some wins this year, and we'll be, catch, we'll be catching up with you as you make your way through this rugged schedule in the next month or so, Coach.
8: Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on.